What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast with me, your host, The Bishop, TW Takes. Do not forget, do not forget, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you need to, email me with all your terrible takes at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. It's now time for more terrible wrestling takes. Okay, here we go. SmackDown didn't really give us a lot of hype, and then they really didn't give us a lot of show. It's such a disappointing episode. I'm usually Mr. Brightside, but this episode just didn't do it for me. I had so many things about it fucked with the continuity of what wrestling is that it kind of just leaves us in this middle ground area somewhere. I mean, look, it, it starts out with Miz and Morrison doing the dirt sheet, which, okay, they're trying to storytell, but the dirt sheet itself is trash. That whole, like, corny, funny gimmick. Like, yeah, maybe 10 years ago when these guys were in their mid to late 20s, that type of personality could work. Now they just kind of look like fools. I really don't like it at all. But the point was to get this Otis-Miz thing going. And, okay, it'll get to where it gets to. That's fine. But the problem I have is you have an entire company who is at a detriment with tag teams. And you have two tag teams fighting over one of the biggest singles possessions that there isn't a company, the money in the bank. And for what? Why? You know, like, to tell a story, okay, you can tell that with other people, or make some fucking tag teams. I like tag team wrestling. And if there's one thing that WWE is not giving us, it's tag team wrestling. Not real tag team wrestling. And even the first match of the night that they gave us was Cesaro versus Grand Metalik. Because they're going to face each other as tag teams at Clash of Champions. How did Lucha House Party get the number one contendership? They just gave it to him? Okay. Well, Lucha House Party has been fighting each other for the last month. And then even those fucking vignettes that I hate when they're doing the fucking promos while they're coming to the ring. You have them walking to the ring and them talking in picture in picture. It's fucking stupid. I hate it. But even in that picture in picture for Lucha House Party, they're arguing. They're not on the same page. But they get number one contendership. Okay. This whole tag team division is fucked, man. You have Miz and Morrison feuding with Heavy Machinery, but it's just Miz and Otis. Then you have Lucha House Party that's been breaking up for the last month. And then we even got an advertisement for Raw during SmackDown. It's going to be Umberto Carrillo and Dominic versus Seth and Murphy versus Garza and Andrade. And Garza and Andrade literally just fought each other. And Seth and Murphy... Literally just fought each other. And Lucha House Party is breaking up. And Dominic and Umberto have never wrestled together. So if Dominic and Umberto win, then they'll be their second tag team match for the titles against the Street Profits, which the Street Profits technically should just walk all over them. And then you have the Lucha House Party going up against the SmackDown champions. And they've been fighting. So who's the two that's even going to wrestle? Like, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't like to be negative because, like I said, when you watch from a negative perspective, everything can just put you at par instead of, you know, you actually enjoy or be amazed. But with this tag team division stuff, it's really hard to get any kind of investment into the tag team division when you have no legitimate teams wrestling for titles 
or even seemingly on the fucking roster. I like Nakamura and Cesaro as champions. They're two wrestlers everybody seems to enjoy, whether it's singles or tag, and we get to see them because they're champions. If they weren't champions, we would see the rise like we did the last couple months, but now that they are, we get to see them every night. Every time their show was on, we get to see them. There's nothing wrong with that. But they're not a true tag team. Now, Cesaro, when I started watching, was with Tyson Kidd, and they were a great tag team. And then next thing you know, uh, Cesaro, because Kidd got injured, ended up doing his singles thing with Sheamus in that best-of-seven match, turned into the bar, great tag team. And Cesaro is not meant to be a tag team wrestler. He's too big, he's too strong, he's too athletic. He deserves his solo shit, but he is an outstanding tag team wrestler. And all his tag teams look legit. And all his tag teams won titles. He might be one of the best tag team wrestlers of all time. Problem is, he's not a true tag team. He's had three tag teams over the last six years that all won titles. And then you have, again, the Usos, one guy's going for a title. And you have the New Day, where one guy's in a feud. Look, Big E came back this week looking like the strong, crazy, dominant Big E that we've been looking for. And we got him. What Big E did to the security guy was, you know, the Big E we've been looking for. Big E with a mean streak, powerhouse. You know, be that new, aggressive Big E. That's the guy that we need. And if that's who he's going to be, I think we have a legit singles title running him. And the way Roman's been doing his thing, who knows what we have with the Universal title. It looks like Big E's only shot at a singles run on SmackDown is going to be for the Intercontinental title. And that's the thing, right? So we have these tag teams that are no longer. And, you know, let's let's take a look at some of the good things from it, right? We have Big E, who is on this new aggressive behavior. And maybe he drops some of the tie-dye colors. Maybe he drops some of the, you know, dancing and bullshit. And he just comes out and he flexes, right? And he just becomes this incredible ass kicker. I'm okay with that too, you know, but we, we got to see something. Look, maybe this is part of my terrible wrestling take that SmackDown should be three hours. I actually had a, a feeling after NXT that NXT should be three hours or there should be an additional show. Uh, but I'll get into that at a later time. You know, another good thing we got out of this, you know, tag team wrestlers doing single shit is take a look at Otis. He's starting to use the Vader bomb which is a fantastic finisher, and it's definitely more singles-oriented than it is tag-team-oriented. It's it's a powerful move to end things as opposed to the Caterpillar elbow. And the display of talent and execution that Otis put on Miz during the beatdown is something that we have to not take for granted. You know, Otis is a legit wrestler who has talent, and he put his skill out there for you guys to see that he's not just some, oh yeah, gimmick guy, you know what I mean? Like he's he's better than that, you know, but that charm, that entertainment factor is part of it, you know, it's sports entertainment, right? But I think if you guys look back at it, he put the sport on on Front Street there. He put the sport right out there that he is a legit amateur wrestler, that he is a legit wrestler for sports entertainment. So doing the throws on Miz and Morrison and then hitting Miz with the Vader bomb, it's it's definitely a step in the right direction to build a singles guy. It's just, you know, what in-ring storytelling have we been getting 
from really anyone, you know. With Otis and Big E separating from their tag teams for now, as far as in-ring competition goes, at least we can take the bright side out of it, showing that, you know, Otis is a technical wrestler and Big E has his, you know, his powers, so to speak. And for me, I think I would like all that to lead to an intercontinental title run. Because this AJ versus Sammy versus Jeff Hardy shit is just, it's so played out to me. I mean, tonight we got AJ versus Sammy in what looked like the beginning of a match that, you know, we really could have invested ourselves in. You know, one of those nice 22-minute pay-per-view matches that AJ and Sammy could do, right? Because they're both as good as wrestlers as wrestling gets. They can just wrestle their ass off. And I, again, AJ's the, the greatest of all time. He just is. And I'm not even like the biggest AJ fan, but it's, it's move for move, size for size. AJ's just the best at everything. And if he, if he was a babyface, his promo skills would be a lot better. But he doesn't like being a bad guy. At least it doesn't come across that way. So if he came across as a good guy, I swear his promos would be better. The stuff he did with Jericho was his best promo work. And all the Good Brothers stuff just seemed like he was putting it on to be a heel. But if AJ was a babyface, we would look at him as the greatest of all time. He just is. He does everything in ring as good as anyone ever has. He lost to James Ellsworth in what seemed like legit fashions. I go back to one of the, I think it was a ladder match that he had with Ellsworth or something like that, that he got his foot caught in a rope. I rewound it like five times trying to figure out how he got his foot caught in a rope so seamlessly. It's just, he's just so incredible. And I, and I even see the good shit he did. You know, I knew nothing about AJ Styles before he showed up in the Royal Rumble. So me calling him the greatest of all time is just from watching him over the last four years, five years. So we had AJ versus Sammy in what looked like was going to be a really fun match. And then Jeff Hardy comes down. The sole purpose was to lead it into a ladder match. And even when Jeff Hardy was coming down the ramp, Corey Graves called out the fact that he was limping. I mean, Jeff Hardy runs like my grandpa. It, the, the, the limping is just, it's too much. It's too much. He's broken, and not in the Matt Hardy way, but he is. Jeff Hardy is broken. And whatever they're doing to try to keep him on screen this way, it takes away from what could be fun. I mean, on Twitter, there were so many people who shit on the Sasha promo who were loving this triple threat ladder match idea. I'm the exact opposite. I love the Sasha promo until she went from sympathy to I'm going to kick your ass. You know, she went basically baby face to heel and just didn't add up. But the attack by Bailey, all that shit was fun. But how can you love this triple threat ladder match when Jeff Hardy can barely go? It's going to be AJ versus Sammy in this match. And who knows how the finish is going to be, because if Jeff Hardy's getting all these victories, what makes you think that he won't win this match? What makes you think that he won't just win because the other two beat themselves up while Jeff Hardy's doing whatever? He'll get all his spots in. I just, it doesn't, it really, it's a shame because it's doing nothing for me. Now, I'll watch, like I always do. I'll, I'll see what they put forward in the match, and if we get this you know, AJ versus Sammy, one of the two of them wins, and Jeff Hardy just happens to be the glue in the match. I'm okay with that too, right? And I'm not going to go into it shitting on the match. I won't, because if this turns out to be a 10 out of 10, I just know it won't be because of Jeff Hardy. 
Jeff Hardy, like I said, he might be the glue to the match. He might be a good reason why it's a 10 out of 10, but he's not going to be the meat of it. He just won't be. He's too broken. And if he is the meat of it, there's no way the match can be a 10 out of 10 because he just can't move. And it just, it's ruined it for me. So if Jeff Hardy gets off screen somehow, is allowed to recover once again, comes back as Willow and does all of that, I'm in. I'm in for Jeff Hardy all day. Let him be more creative than technical because the technical shit ain't adding up. Now, I had mentioned the Sasha Bailey promo. Look, Sasha came out from the Performance Center via satellite or whatever it was, and she cut a really decent you-turned-on-me promo and how we used each other and all this shit and people shitting on it online. Look, I know there's a lot of people who don't like Sasha. I'm not the biggest Sasha fan. Like I said, when Sasha, Charlotte, and Becky came up, Becky pulled me in right away. And then as shit played out, I was all about Becky. Becky, I mean, because I was Paige first anyway. So I'm like, okay, you know, Sam Roberts talks about Sasha. I'll keep an eye on her. Charlotte is a flair. Okay, she does the figure eight. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen was the figure eight. And then Becky just was, everything she did was was tight in the ring. So I'm like, okay, there's, there's less flaws. Now we got to bring out the entire package, right? And it took about three, four years for the entire package of Becky to come out. So anyway, I would watch the Sasha stuff and I would like Sasha more than Charlotte, but never more than Becky or Paige. For what Sasha gives us, I think she's an asset to what we watch. Now, she cut this promo and I'm buying in, I'm buying in. And then she's like about to cry because she's bothered. Then she picks her head up and is talking shit now. I'm like, okay, well, that that took a turn. But I'm ready for the match, right? Boom, Bailey comes up from behind, beats the shit out of her. The one misstep they had. She put the chair around the neck again. Bailey had to stomp on it. Without her stomping on it, you just lost your ability to make it all the way to Hell in a Cell. You just lost your ability to make it all the way to Survivor Series. If this match made it to Survivor Series... And then there was another attack. Boom. You push it out to Royal Rumble. Get to Royal Rumble. Another attack. Push this shit right to Mania through attacks. And just let it ride out that way. And the whole time, Bailey's doing her thing. Or Bailey's, you know, thinking that Sasha's attacked. Entrance music hits. Bailey gets caught in a roll-up, loses her title. You know what I'm saying? Like, any of that kind of shit can happen. So there's a way to play this story out, and there's a way that this story is going to make a lot of sense. I like the Sasha promo. I thought it was a good use. The only thing I thought was a misstep was Bailey not stepping on the chair once she had it around the neck, just to give it that little more oomph to the storyline. So my highlight of SmackDown, of course, was all the Alexa Bliss, Nikki stuff. I'm I'm all in on both. I, I absolutely am an Alexa fan. I've been a Nikki fan since NXT. You know, they did a moment of bliss, and when Lacey Evans came out and was talking shit on Nikki, saying she's too nice, doesn't have a mean streak, I tweeted out, I got two words for you. Wanna play? Because wanna play Nikki is best the best Nikki. She comes out, she's psycho, she puts people within the ring apron and beats them up. Like, wanna play Nikki is the Nikki that we need. And if this... This run to the title gets us back to want to play Nikki, and maybe even Alexa Fiend brings it out. I, I'm, 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 I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. 
Nikki Cross deserved an NXT title run. She was just there when Asuka was tearing it down, so she didn't get a shot. I tell you, what they're doing with Alexa, again, is the best, the best use of women's talent right now. I didn't necessarily like how she turned Fiend last week, but Michael Cole put it out there this week that she just so happened to change when the Fiend was brought up. Now, I don't like that they announced that. They could have let that stay as an underline. Well, nothing happens until somebody says Fiend, because Lacey Evans did it again this week. Again, I don't like the fact that it was told it's a trigger to us. I love the fact that it's a trigger to her. The fact that that's what turns her into searching for the fiend is fantastic. And not only that, when she, when she goes into that deep stare looking up, it's not the same Alexa that was on A Moment of Bliss. It's not the same Alexa that's on commentary. She's in a separate space, a separate state of mind, and that state of mind attracting her to the fiend. This is some top-notch acting storytelling by Alexa. And whatever this ends up being, like I said, like that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to what this is going to become. We're going to end up with two top-tier women coming out of this storyline, which is what you're supposed to do when you break up a tag team. Because we lost Bliss Cross, you know. And, you know, shout-out to the Kabuki Warriors. I forgot to bring them up. But when you look at the women's tag team titles, Sasha Bailey, Bliss Cross, Kabuki Warriors, the Iconics, everyone's broken up. These two, I tell you, are going to turn out to be the top two single stars on SmackDown. Whatever Sasha and Bailey are going to end up doing is going to pale in comparison to what Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross are going to do. My hopes, because then again, now that I say it out loud, I'm not sure if they're going to put Nikki in that position. But they should. I, I absolutely think they should. She's that good. I tell you, here's a terrible wrestling take for you. Alexa Bliss's sister Abigail is better than Bray's. You know, I talk about that whole women's bodies not lining up the same way as men. Well, we know that women's bodies are naturally more flexible than men. So with the lean backwards for the setup to the sister Abigail, the way Alexa does it and the way the women bend backwards for her to the turnover is so seamless, is so flawless, that it looks better when Alexa Bliss hits her sister Abigail. And I'm, I'm all here for it. Like I said, when this Alexa Fiend thing was coming, I, I just, it, it makes me excited to watch. So, and that's what we're here for, right? We're here to be excited to watch wrestling. So wherever this is going to end up, I am along the ride. And this particular instance was just fantastic. Again, Lacey Evans is doing, you know, her, where's my shit, you know, acting like not a nice person, we'll say, instead of using vulgar language on this one. And... She says, what are you looking at? What are you going to do? Get the fiend? And it triggers Alexa to get up, get the wide-eye stare, and then boom. Lacey Evans down with his sister Abigail. I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. I'd love to see her in some type of elimination chamber match where she goes all fiend out and just tears through everyone fiend style. I mean, everything that this is going to bring about is just going to be awesome. If they allow her to stay true to what the Fiend character is and we get some type of Fiend Alexa. And it doesn't even have to be with a Tom Savini mask either. It could just be dreadlocked hair and some type of uh, face paint. 
give us a little bit turn of a character, you know, maybe some type of, you know, Sally from A Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, one of the t-shirts that she has has the stitched face like, you know, uh, um, like a sock monkey type puppet with the stitched face and, and kind of gives that Sally look from Nightmare Before Christmas. So we'll see what kind of character is on the back end of this story. But while it's going along for the ride, by all means, give it to us every time. Every time, you know, when the fiend was doing his thing and the lights would come down and there's a legend in the ring, how excited did we get that we're going to see the fiend give the mandible claw, you know? And now Alexa hitting these sister Abigails on anyone who says the wrong thing around her. Again, all for it, all for it. The one story that was thread throughout the entire night was the Roman Reigns Jey Uso situation. Now they advertised the beginning of the night that there's going to be a Samoan street fight which of course is only because there's two Samoans in the match. Uh, They'll do anything for alliteration or to make something sound a little bit better. Clash of Champions, Gold Rush, because that means something, right? (laughs) But they were advertising them working together again. They were teaming together again. And I know Jay is doing this act like you've been there before situation where, you know, Jay's never been there, so he doesn't know how to act. And... He's, he's trusting Roman because they're family. Okay, you know, I, I'll buy in for tonight and see what's up. And, you know, my, my first thought was, oh, there's no way Roman's going to even show up to the street fight and Jay's just going to get his ass kicked the whole time. Now, you, you get these, again, these threads throughout the entire night that this match is going to happen. And one of the best things that we got out of it was this Paul Heyman voiced over vignette and if you haven't watched the episode of smackdown i highly suggest just watching that vignette because it was very powerful and you know we've heard paul Heyman in the past on podcasts or whatever tell his stories of coming into the business and driving the wild samoans around and he has a deep respect for the samoan family you know yes this was part of the job but i wouldn't call this a put on the the reverence in which he was talking about the samoan dynasty was was really neat and I think it still is just kind of reinforcement though that Mark Henry's correct that this is going to end up with a Roman Reigns kind of tearing through the Anawai family maybe potentially leading towards you know his most popular cousin it'd be crazy if he like hits Nia with a big boot because Nia Jax is talking some shit right like that'd be crazy but anyway this the 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 Paul Heyman promo about the Anawai family was just fantastic. It, sh- it showed us how great their performances have been for us over the years. From Rikishi to Omaga to Yokozuna, the Wild Samoans, you know. And if you even want to dive into Rikishi's career, being part of the Head Shrinkers and being the Sultan. I mean, The Rock's first WrestleMania match was against the Sultan, his cousin Rikishi. Like, how fucking cool is that? You know, so anyway, and plus The Rock and everything The Rock has given us, not just in the wrestling business, but outside of it. You know, now in my six-year-old season, he goes, that's The Rock Johnson. It's crazy. And I'd even teach him that. You know, just kind of let him get into his own shit. But anyway, so there's... This whole thing leading towards a street fight, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Roman's not going to come out until the very end and maybe try to clean up or not even come out at all and just let Jay get his ass whipped the whole time. And he didn't. He uh, he actually came out first. 
and I hated it. I, he's got to change his fucking music. The music is not needed. We don't need the Shield 2.0 music that Roman's you know entrance is. Don't give us that music. Give us something new. Give us something different colors too, right? Get away from the blue and the gold stuff that's part of the big dog character. Michael Cole's got to stop calling him the big dog. Call him the tribal chief. That's who this Roman is. He's tribal chief Roman. And he's an asshole. And he's a fucking heel. And I didn't like it. I still kind of don't, you know, but that's just me being particular. But what I, I mean, he's sticking to it. And anyone who sticks to a character, regardless of what that character is, you got to vibe. You got to vibe. Because mostly it's not their choice, right? Like when Adam Rose was in the social outcast and he wanted to call himself the radical mongoose riding out on Milky Ways and shit, like it's, it's something different and he's sticking to it. So you don't necessarily have to buy in all the time. But you go, well, that's what that character is. And this is what this character is. And if you ever thought that you would hear a Adam Rose, Roman Reigns comparison, well, there you go. You got one. But from a character-to-character perspective, it's, it's, it's Roman's execution of this character. And he's executing this heel in a, I'm not here to lose. And this, I'm not here to lose attitude. I mean, shit, we thought he was going to get hit with white noise on an announce desk. And he kicks Sheamus in the dick so he can hit him with a Samoan drop. You know, and Roman, look, I mean, again, if you didn't see this episode, go back and watch the street fight. You get Roman in his bag. Roman doing his thing. He's selling, but his offense looks more powerful than ever. And this is a new Roman, and this is who we got. So after the match, you know, Jay again is acting as if he's never been there before, as if he's never had a victory before. And it was a great finish, too. So if you haven't watched it, I won't spoil the exact finish of it, but the way the finish was was fantastic. And it it put Roman in a place where he's kind of questioning if he should trust Jay because Jay is out for himself now. The end of the match, they had an embrace, and then there was this turn where Roman gave Jay this 10,000-yard stare. I put out there after the match, I go, Roman is going to beat the dog shit out of Jay at Clash of Champions. And he's going to do it for us. You know, like, he's he's going to put on this fucking show at Clash of Champions that I don't know who could even step up at Survivor Series or Hell in the Cell to give give us a viable candidate based on the ass whooping he's going to give Jay. It's going to be uh, uh, an epic ass whooping. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know, But all in all, this SmackDown was not a great episode. If you missed it, I don't blame you. You know, There was definitely more setup for Clash of Champions. You know, We got the triple threat ladder match out of tonight. We got the tag team match out of tonight. But that's it. I mean, there's even those weren't that great. They're doing more storytelling with Otis and The Miz. And, you know, they're feeding more into the Roman and Jay stuff. So, you know, we'll, I guess we'll see what happens next week on the Go Home Show if there's any, you know, kind of setup to how the matches are going to go. Um, I don't think Roman and Jay are going to put hands on each other. We'll just have to see and, and let it all play out. I don't know when Sasha's going to be back. The longer she's out, the better. 
I would love to see, you know, maybe her show up at Clash of Champions and cost Bailey the belt. That's kind of really my biggest hope there. And this Alexa thing, you know, really needs to get more and more fiend-oriented. So, but that's all I got on SmackDown. So, with that being said, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TWTakesPodcast on Instagram and Twitter. Share your terrible wrestling takes via my pinned tweet. Email me, bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. Until next time.